Thank you so much. Okay, I'm still going to try to get us out of here on time, even though we're running a tiny bit behind. But it is great to be here with everybody. Um, Elaine, at 120, give me a T. Okay? Uh, that would be good. I'm going to try to pay attention, but you never know. All right, but it is great to be here. Um, I don't think we get how awesome the, our church is. I don't think you guys get how incredible you are as women of God. Like, seriously, you really don't get it. Um, and, you know, I want to thank all of you for being here. I know we're on a little longer schedule today, so hopefully we've broken it up enough and are keeping it interesting, so that'll be good, hopefully. But uh, today we're discussing putting ourselves in the place of second. Second to God, second to Jesus. And uh, what he has purposed for us and just living an I am second life. And our main passage comes out of Philippians 2. And we're going to start here. It's NIV. It says, therefore. Oh, yay. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like minded, having the same love, being one in spirit, one in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each, each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. And in the message version, it goes like this. If you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor, agree with each other, love each other, be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way up to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Gina, you're so sweet-talking. <laughs> Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. And it continues. Think of yourself the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave, became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. The worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. Let's go ahead and pray. God, thank you. Just that as women, we get to worship together freely, knowing that we have sisters in other countries that have to worship you in silence, have to worship you in hiding, God, but that we have the freedom here to worship you. 
God, I pray that you be with us today. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Clear our mind. Clear our thoughts. Settle our stomachs. God, help us to really uh, be engaged on a heart level to looking at and to living a life that is second to you fully, God. Please be with us now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, Jesus exemplified the I am second life, right? Um, You know, it says making himself nothing, living faithfully obedient to God, no selfish ambition, no vanity, humbled himself, putting himself aside, forgetting about himself. He took the status of a slave. And um, I don't know about you, but it's a, that's a pretty high calling. (laughs) Like, you know, it's great. You know, I got the little bracelet that reminds us. That's awesome. Um, you know, and saying it and talking about it is, is awesome. But I mean, actually living it like I am second every single day. I don't know about you, but that's challenging. And I read somewhere recently that, um, it says sometimes Christianity can be like a junior high dance. How many of you guys went to your junior high dances or a dance? Okay. Yeah. So a number of us, they were so lame, but anyway, but we, you know, some of us. So I remember going to a couple of junior high dances at school, and um, you know, didn't we all go there with the intention, with the intention of actually dancing? Yes, right. We went there with the intention of dancing, and then, you know, so we get ready, we pick out the dress, we do our hair, and uh, maybe we even thought through who we wanted to dance with. I mean, I remember for me, I wanted to dance with Michael. Um, I think it was Michael Rubino. I don't know. First, earlier when I was when I was going up to Michael Myers. No, no, that's Mike Myers, Jackie. No, that's not the one. But anyway, I I can't remember the guy's name now. But I, you know, what happens when we get there? When we get there, it looks like, pretty much like this, right? I mean, you know, we stand around, and some of us did more of this than anything, right? We stand, and if we're lucky, we're actually talking to the boy. But the boy really, usually at that point, was our best friend, right? Or was a good friend. It wasn't even the boy we wanted to dance with. And so, you know, we get there, and we stand around. And uh, before we know it, the dance is over. Right? You know, today I want us to look honestly at our own lives. Are we doing the same thing when it comes to following Christ? When it comes to our walk with God, not our talk, but our walk with God, are we leaning against the wall? Are we standing around, waiting for something to happen, waiting for God to do something? You know, God orchestrates and provides opportunities for us, you know, to, to have life, to have so much more in this life, life to the full, here and now. We don't have to wait for heaven. But still, we become spiritual wallflowers sometimes. Standing on the sidelines, every year intending to dance, but never actually dancing. You know, maybe you thought about doing something more than you're doing now. Maybe you had a dream of one day being more than what you are today, of doing something radical for God. Or going after a character issue, dreaming of a a character issue that you would change, or growing beyond a certain point spiritually. Maybe you thought by now your marriage would be in a certain place. Maybe you were married when you came into the kingdom, and now you find yourself single. Or you had hopes of finding a spouse, and it hasn't happened yet. 
or you dreamt of a reconciliation of greater hope for your kids. But there's been a little to be encouraged about. We see them making decisions that almost are like completely counterintuitive to the way we live and want what we want for them. You know, maybe it's just life. I mean, you know, life gets busy, right? I mean, life is busy. Kids have homework. Schools have projects. I hated school projects. People ask me, do you miss when the kids were little? No. (laughs) Not at all. I like all your little kids. It was so much fun last night, dancing with them, seeing little Sam with his hair in a faux hawk. I mean, you know, love it. Don't miss it at all. Projects. Sports, work, sucking the life out of us sometimes. You know, we had dreams and we had hope when we first became Christians that this was going to happen or by now that would happen or this would be changed and we were going to dance and we got ready for the dance. We planned well even. We got the right dress. We practiced the moves even. You know, some, some of us even danced a little while. But then what happened? You know, something cut in on us, tripped us up. And somehow, we no longer had God in his proper place. Uh, We replaced God with maybe regret or fear or anxiety or hopelessness or just complacency. Maybe it's shame, um, fear. I know this happens a lot in marriage where we, we don't stay in our right role. Be out of fear. We're not God putting God in his proper place. Weariness. I don't know. You fill in the blank. Maybe it's just, you know, again, it's just life. Or we just kind of, we don't even realize it. And we just got tired. Or maybe bored. Maybe we're bored. We're disappointed. Our husbands didn't come around as quickly as we'd hoped. Or our kids struggled. They didn't make it. We ended up in a divorce. Or a hard marriage situation. Or we get a call and the test is positive and our loved one passes away. So we walked off the dance floor and we took our place along the wall and we sit around. We stand there to this day and we just never experience the rhythm of God's grace. We don't embrace his promises of a life here And now, a life beyond our imagination, that's what God says. That's not what I say. That's what God says. We have forgotten to take him at his word. And what happened? We started out great, and then something just, it just snapped. Have you ever feel like that, or is this just me? I mean, if you've been around any time, maybe if you're a baby Christian, you're baptized like two weeks ago, you're like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. If you've been around for three weeks <laughs> or more, you've had a moment where you felt like this. I mean, even getting ready for this message, it was really, it's not funny at all, but it's funny, but it's not funny. <clears throat> Steve, um, he'll hit, like do ideas, have ideas, and then he'll tell me, okay, you know, um, can you take a look at this? Here's the concept. Here's what I'm thinking. Here's what, you know, and he had started this main message and then in the middle of it Shailene came in and she had to talk with us I'll leave it at that and then he went to a meeting 
And then he came home at about 10, and he went till I don't know, a little after midnight, and he finished his concept, his message, or whatever. And then he gave it to me the next morning. And I could see exactly where he started his message and the way it was going, and then it took a huge left turn. And I thought, I mean, that was it. You know, you're going along great. You think things are awesome. And something happens. Something like this. Gina, would you mind getting the lights since you're the only one knows where it is? Thank you. Such a feeling's coming over me. There is wonder in most everything I see. Not a cloud in the sky, got the sun in my eyes, and I won't be surprised if it's a dream. I'm on the top of the world. Hey, I didn't show it. Okay. Right? I mean, Martha, crazy. She's like, let me see it. Okay. Life happens, right? I mean, seriously, sometimes you don't even realize it. It takes us having to slow it down enough. There was this woman in Ventura, awesome friend of mine, and she would say to me, Jackie, how are you doing? Fine, fine, great. No, no, how are you doing? And she'd make me stop and, like, think for a minute. I'd be like, I don't really know how I'm doing. Wait a minute, how am I doing? And then I would have to stay, literally take stock of where am I at? That is what happens to us. You know, in John 14, 12, it says, um, Jesus tells us that we will go on to do even greater things than he did. Really? Like, are we? Ephesians 3.20 says that he is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. That his power is at work within us. Huh? I mean, really? I don't feel that powerful lately. Romans 8.37 says that we are more than conquerors. Well, doesn't seem like it right now, today, right? Maybe where you stand. You're like, really? Greater things than Jesus did, immeasurably more, his power working within us, and more than conquerors. Oh, yeah, that totally defines me. I mean, why not? Why doesn't it? Because we don't have God in his rightful place of first. I mean, not everything is going to go awesome all the time. But I mean, in general, in general, if we are not in a place where we feel empowered by God, encouraged by God, spurred on by God, motivated by his grace, convicted by his, his love and his sacrifice, then we don't have him in his proper place. It's because he has shrunk down so small in our lives. Remember as a baby Christian, you know, um, when there was a time of great refreshment and God was first and we were second and life was centered around God and we were convinced. You know, when we first read the Bible and we believed, I mean, we did and said, you know, I did, stupid things. We believed God. We took him at his word. We shared like fools we shared our faith. We gave like fools. We served like fools. We loved like fools. Sisters, God has got to become first again. And I have to become second. You know, this is what our life should look like. God, huge. I love the video Steve showed earlier. You know, we're going to look at some core areas as disciples that we need to be second in.
and uh, second to and in. And the first thing is, is our walk with God. You know, I am second in my walk with God. Our quiet times, our prayer times, reading and study of God's word. Are we growing in our faith? Are we growing in our love for God and our trust for God? Are we second in our relationship to God? How is your walk with God, sisters? Is he really in the place of second? Or is life and what we think our children's needs are choking God out? And we've got to say, I am second in my walk with God. I am second in my walk with God. We've got to take it serious. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm a doer. I like to have lists and goals and blah, blah, blah. And if I do not, if I'm not purposeful every morning or every day planning out when I'm going to spend time with God, it will get choked out. Absolutely. And most women are like that. We have a ton of stuff to do. So say it with me. I am second in my walk with God. I am second in my walk with God. I feel like I'm in the Catholic Church. We're not doing that again. Okay. I am second in serving the needy. You know, this is absolutely a salvation issue. If we don't serve the poor and needy, then we won't go to heaven. You don't believe me? Study it out. Study it out. Sodom and Gomorrah were not destroyed because of sexual sin. If you go back and read it, it says God took them out because they turned a blind eye to the needy. That is so convicting to me. Matthew 25:37 it says and the righteous will answer him, "Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink?" And we know what Jesus said. When you did it for the least of these, you did it for me. What does that mean? When we don't do it, we don't do it for Jesus. Jeremiah 22:16 He defends the cause of the poor and needy. And so all went well. Is that not what it means to know me, declares the Lord. We can't even really know God if we are not serving the needy and the poor around us. And that's what Jesus called us to. And that's what we signed up for when we made him Lord. Is that we would walk as Jesus walked, right? And so absolutely, we got to be second to God in serving the needy. What about loving the lost? I am second in loving the lost. Evangelism, ooh, you know, let's talk about it. It's that dirty word, evangelism, proselytizing. Yeah, you know what? That's right. That's what we're here for. I mean, the Bible clearly says Jesus came. Why? To seek and save the lost. I mean, this should not be news to any of us. That's what we uh, it's not a church program. It's not our idea. It's not my idea. I mean, I'm convicted in this. I don't feel like I share nearly enough. But we've been commissioned by the living God. Jesus himself sent us out in Matthew 28. And Jesus came for one purpose and one purpose only, to seek and so, to save what was lost. And we are told... In 1 John 2.6, it says that if we claim to live in him, we must walk as Jesus walked. It's not a suggestion. We must. It's not an option. And the whole purpose of him coming was to seek and save the lost. Now, the way we do that may be different, but it's got to all be with the purpose of bringing people 
to the Lord. We've got to be second in loving loss. Luke 19.9 says, Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save what is lost. I am second to loving the lost. I'm second to serving God's church. You know, we all know Matthew 6.33, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. All these things will be given to him as well. I don't think it's... You, I don't think it's um, by mistake that it's his kingdom and his righteousness together. Not just his kingdom or not just his righteousness. It's together. And um, all these things. What all things? All the things that we're worried about. All the things that we fear. All the things that we hope for. All the things that we... God says, look, you seek first the kingdom. I'm going to take care of you. Seek first my righteousness. We'll talk about that in a minute. But seek first my kingdom and... I will take care of everything else. Do we still take God at his word? Do we still believe him? Um, Ephesians 6, 7, 8. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is a slave or free. You know, when I think about, um, you know, I think about serving, and, you know, we know passages in, in 1 Corinthians, it talks about how, uh, you know, every part does its work, right? Every part. It doesn't say most parts or the majority of the parts or 10% of the parts, right? Every part. That means every one of us should have some role, some part that we play in serving in God's church. It may be, you know, maybe you're the one that coordinates the food for your family group. That's serving. Maybe you're the one that makes the phone calls. You know, reminding people of whatever. Maybe you're the one that sends out the emails. Maybe you're the one that, I don't know, whatever you do. But you've got to do something to serve God and his people. We've got to be second to serving in God's church. In discipleship. I am second to living discipleship. You know, one anothering. Humility and being trained to be like Jesus. Taught, encouraged, or corrected. Being open. How are we doing in these areas? Confessing, getting advice. You know, we are our sister's keeper. We are called to speak the truth in love, to continue to teach, to continue to encourage, to continue to build up, admonish, rebuke, rejoice, and weep together. If we are our sister's keeper. Am I second to living discipleship? You know, there's a sister who's not here today. She's a younger Christian, and this is a good teaching opportunity for her as well. But she didn't know where, where we were today. And I get a text, hey, where's service? I, you know, we, I, I went to uh, Artesia. I went to Lawndale. Where are we? And I know it is on the website. I checked, just to be sure. Um, but I think, wow. And we can make every excuse for her. But I still need to go, where did I blow it? And so I apologize to her. But we are going to have a chat also because it's a teaching opportunity about, dude, you need to know where church is. You know, here's where your car is. Dude, where's church? Not, dude, where's my car? Where's church? So, you know, but it has to be both all of us working together, right? And so we got to figure out where the breakdown is. We don't just go, oh, she should know by now, and she should do it. Yeah, that, yeah, could that be true? Yeah, you know, you're a big girl. But also, I know it's 120, right? 
Um, I know also, though, that we got to figure out where do we break down on our side, on our end, because that's that's living an I am second life to discipleship. What about in, in our righteousness? In uh, Genesis 7, 1, says, Lord then said to Noah, go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. Can you imagine? I just imagine the Lord opening the door. I mean, I don't know how he did it or whatever. Maybe it was just a big, huge hand. Maybe it was his pinky. I don't know. I just picture him opening the door. Noah, come on. You know, I just think that's so loving. And he says, Take your family because I have found you righteous in this generation. Psalm 37, 25 is one of my favorite passages. I was young and now I am old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or, the ch- or their children begging bread. God takes care of the righteous. You may go through a hard time. You may have a hard time. You may think there's no way out. I remember when we came out of the ministry in 2003 and... We were like, all right, we're going to do this by faith. We had two grand in our checking account. Nothing in savings. Okay. Two grand left because we transferred the last two grand from savings into checking. And then Steve finally got a kick butt job. Praise God. But we, you know, we were on the brink of, okay, I guess we're not going to make a house payment. God comes through. And it doesn't even take... I mean, righteous doesn't mean perfect. Righteous means even when you're blowing it, you go, oh, dang it, I'm blowing it. Or Elaine goes, Jackie, you're blowing it, you know, or, you know, whoever. Hopefully, as we're one another and each other, we're help or encouraging you. Sister, you can do this. I know you're feeling down and ashamed. God has already forgiven you. Come on, let's get going. Righteous doesn't mean perfect. It just means standing in righteousness before God. Are we righteous in our marriage, sisters? I mean, I know this is a tough one, especially in our generation, but we've got to quit making excuses. Am I the wife that God calls me to be? We should probably just camp out on that and think about that, have a quiet time on that. I hope that most of the time we are. Again, I know we all blow it. But I'm collectively thinking, does this characterize who I am? Why? Because it pleases God, and God will find us righteous. I've got to be second to living a righteous life. You know, again, all these things, family, presenting our family before God is righteous. Doing what we can do. Yeah, we don't lead our households spiritually, or maybe you are the wife of a spouse that is not yet a disciple. Um. Okay, so then how are we? Are we helping our house, our family? Are we leading them in righteousness? I think about David. You know, God had commissioned Samuel. Um, and so Samuel went on his way to anoint Jesse's son. And, but he had gone through seven sons. And God kept saying, no, he's not the one. And we pick it up here in uh, 1 Samuel 16. It says, so he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. Now, I hope he wasn't far off, but I don't know. Maybe he was a few hours away. But Samuel says, I'm not going to sit down until he gets here. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. Anoint this one. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil 
and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. You know, I think about David. You know, once he had come into contact with Samuel, he realized that God had something more in store for him than his ordinary circumstances uh, seemed to imply. You know, in the same way, we come into contact with Jesus. We study the Bible. You know, we, we come to realize what God did for us, what Jesus did for us. You know, and then in living disciples, and then, you know, we realize that God has in store more than our ordinary circumstances would, would imply. You know, I may imagine David at that point on sort of watching out for opportunities placed in front of him, you know. Although I'm sure there's no way he could have imagined or dreamed what God would do in his life. But what does that mean for us? In the same way, again, when we first come into contact with Christ, or when we come into a refreshing time of Christ, we rekindle our relationship with God. You know, we, we begin to realize, you know what, God has so much more in store than this ordinary circumstances seem to imply in my life at this time. You know, we start looking and watching for opportunities that God places in our lives, puts in front of us. You know, and it's no different today. As uh, I spend time with God, as you spend time with God, as we read his word, it says that that's where we know Jesus. Faith comes from hearing the word, and we realize that God has so much more in store. But I think about the day that Samuel anointed David. You know, David didn't wake up that morning and... um, was looking for something great to do. He didn't wake up, you know, and, and go, oh, this is the day. You know, everything was normal. He woke up, and everything was normal. But in the course of one day, everything changed. His life changed. Did it change immediately? No. Listen to this. It was 15 to 20 years before he would take the throne. I'm like, ooh, <laughs> I want it now. You know, you think there were times he felt discouraged or fearful or disappointed? Have you read the Psalms? I mean, come on. I mean, you know, the day David decided to take God as his word, at his word and slew Goliath, he didn't wake up that day and say, oh, today's day. I'm going to go slew that giant. David wasn't doing the seeking. God was seeking after him. <clears throat> you know, and I love that, that God meets us where we are. I mean, you think about it. David was a shepherd boy. But that was good enough for God. That was good enough for God. We're good enough for God. Right here, right now, let's take him as a word. Think about Ruth, a widow, gleaning wheat. What does that mean? Today it would be like digging through the trash. Esther, when she was taken as a concubine, do you think that she knew what God had planned, what opportunity he would put before her to save the nation of Israel? You know, God knew that David and Ruth and many, many, many others Esther's lives were filled with opportunities of great things. It wasn't what David could do. He was the youngest. He was the shepherd. They didn't even bring him in. They didn't even call him in from the field. Do you realize that? They went through seven sons and never even bothered to call him in. It wasn't what he could do. He was a boy. It wasn't what Ruth could do. She was a widow living in a land amongst the people that weren't even her own. It wasn't what Esther could do. She was in exile, not even living in her own country. She didn't even have the rights of an ordinary citizen. Do you think of any of them knew or could have known what one single act of faithfulness or what one single act of faithful obedience would have done? Many didn't know until many years later, but they kept on keeping God in first place. 
they just kept in the practice of I am second to God. I am second to what God calls me to. I am second to God's will. I am second to God's purpose. See, see, it wasn't what David or Ruth or Esther could do. It was what God could do through them because they had him in his rightful place. You know, every day, every ordinary day, gives, God gives each and every one of us the opportunities to allow him to do great work in us. We may not see it today. You may not see it for 15 years. But I promise, as you look back on your life, if you've been around any time at all, you know you can look back right now and go, wow, God, look what God did. I would have never thought that God would do this in this amount of time. But if you hang in there, if you fight every day to keep God in his rightful place, I promise you, you will see that God has placed in our lives, in our everyday ordinary lives, opportunities to allow him to work in us, to use us, and to work through us, to take him at his word, if we just keep dancing. Let's turn off the lights again, please. Okay. I love that video. I think it's awesome. It just kind of gives me the, I don't know. I don't know. It's like, okay, I'm spiritually dead. I was just tripped up. I'm caught in this trap. And then it's like, wait a minute. I am second to God. Wait a minute. God is first. Two, two, two. You know, it's just like, you know, uh, you know, you almost expect him to get up and start running the stairs like Rocky or whatever. But, you know, you know, I don't know what kind of year you had. But what I do know is that God has so much more in store for all of us. And that I know we can leave here today with a new attitude and a new self. Because this is what God's word says. It says, Ephesians 4:22. We were taught with regard to your former, you were taught with, in regard, with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its sinful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You know, with all the hats we wear as women, with all the roles we play, as we're wives to our husbands and mothers to our children and neighbors to our neighbors and sisters and friends and aunties and all the things that we do, let's put ourselves in the place of second. Let's be purposeful in making God first, elevating God to his rightful place and As we make decisions, as we plan on our weeks and our months and our years, let's remember to take the place of second. Let's remember, sisters, to live a life that says, I am second because my God is first. Amen.